Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy New Year. Happy Wednesday. It's so good to be back. I hope you are as excited about today's show as I am and about the return of Fearless uh, to your airwaves and to your entertainment schedule. Call your friends. Call my critics. Call Katie Nolan. Call everybody because, man, do I have a doozy of a show uh, planned for us today. Uh, I, I, I just I, I would love to sit here and talk to you about, you know, Christmas and New Year's and traveling and spending Christmas in Kansas City with my family and my mom and, and just friends and everybody. But. Man, we just got too much to cover. Things were so interesting and fascinating during the holiday break. So much happened. I, I, stuff happened in football. Stuff happened everywhere in the sports world. So just, and then there were all kinds of things just going on that I wanted to talk about. The whole calendar controversy, uh, the conservative calendar controversy. And so... But I've had to narrow my focus, although I broadened my focus, but I narrowed it to this whole thing that's gone on in the last 48 hours about me and Timu. I don't know if you guys saw this, but even I want to show you this. Buffalo Wild Wings has chimed in. Do we have that, that tweet? Buffalo Wild Wings has chimed in on me and this controversy of me tweeting out an image of an ad on ESPN.com uh, that, that caused a fake Twitter mob and Twitter storm, but Buffalo Wild Wings has joined in in mocking me. Uh, they put out a picture of the NFL stage over ESPN and and some food and an advertisement. So I'm looking at the current standings. This is the ad running at the top of the page. How is this possible? Looks delicious. <laughs> so they're mocking my tweet uh, that complained about it. Here, we'll put up my tweet where I complained. I'm looking at the NFL standings on ESPN.com. And this is the ad running above, uh, <laughs> above the standings. How is this appropriate? Is the 
question that I asked, how is it possible, how is it appropriate? And man, did that set off a storm of Twitter activity and my critics all just celebrate. We got Whitlock, we got him, we got him, we got him. He's, he must be Googling porn and we got him. And let's make fun of him and let's, uh, anyway. When Buffalo, and guys, if someone from Buffalo Wild Wings is out there, I love you guys. And, and I love that you guys got in on the joke, but I'm not sure if my critics are going to be totally uh, thrilled with my response that I'm about to deliver here today. I've got the fire starter <clears throat> of all fire starters. <clears throat> you guys need to, again, call your friends call my critics, uh, share this content, share this fire starter with everybody you know and love because I'm going to use this. Again, I, I, I love that everybody reacted and everybody had something to say and people are mad at me because it just gives me the opportunity to repeat my position and to explain to people what's going on in American culture, and how we got to this depraved, sexually explicit state. And they've just built a fire that I'm now gonna fan the flames and have the opportunity to talk to more people and try to unpack for you what's going on in American culture. This fire starter, if I deliver it properly, is going to be amazing. And, and I, I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that it's edifying for those of you that uh, like me and like what we're doing here at Fearless. And I hope that it irritates the people that uh, have it out for me. Because I got it out for you too. Uh, so I, I wanna take care of uh, one of our great sponsors so that when I start ranting and raving in this, uh, monologue and this fire starter, I don't have to stop down and take care of a sponsor. And so I want to talk to you guys about prize picks. Are you guys testing your skills on prize picks this football season? It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. My mom loves Prize Picks. She makes picks every week. She's got some selections for this NFL weekend, the final weekend, final regular season weekend of the NFL season. She likes DK Metcalf with more than 66 and a half receiving yards against Arizona. Uh, she likes Geno Smith more than 243 yards uh, passing versus Arizona. And she likes Baker Mayfield with more than 228 passing yards versus Carolina. Mom, I got to be honest with you. I just spent Christmas with you. I just gave you some money. Her birthday's three days after Christmas. Just gave you some money. I think you're making some bad investments here. With I don't like these prize picks, Mom. But I'll let you all compete against her. Maybe you love them. Uh, she's kind of heavy on Seattle and Geno Smith and DK Metcalf. I'm not so sure about that. But anyway, go to prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use our promo code fearless for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash fearless. 
and use the promo code FEARLESS, Price Picks. Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy. Huh. Let me take a sip of my uh, coffee here, which is now cold. I'm going to have to switch to water. And let me get to unpacking uh, this mammoth. Buckle up, get ready, take notes. I'll be taking notes during this mono. Uh, but get ready for what I believe will be one of the best fire starters we've ever had on the show. <clears throat> Years ago, at the apex of my career as strictly a sports pundit, I was celebrated for my celebration of sexual debauchery. In August of 2009, I penned quite possibly my most infamous column. Rick Pitino ran into the biggest dynasty in sports was the headline. The piece lampooned the college basketball coaching legend after a woman, Karen Seifer, tried to extort him for millions of dollars after a one night stand on a restaurant floor. The piece began, the 72 Dolphins can't touch pussy galore. It went on to lament man's inability to resist the sexual temptation of women. Pussy Galore turned into a series of columns for me, a signature calling card anytime a high-profile sports figure found himself trapped in a sexual controversy. In November of 2009, after Tiger Woods' Thanksgiving incident with his then-wife, Elon Nordgren, I argued that Pussy Galore should be named Sports Person of the Year. In 2013, I published a fictional interview with Miss Galore about her relationship with Tiger Woods. Sports fans and many of my sports pundit peers loved my Pussy Galore columns. Pussy Galore remains undefeated was a catchphrase that became popular among edgy and hip sports broadcasters. But my promotion of sexual immorality extended well beyond humorous columns. On my podcast, Real Talk with Jason Whitlock, I never shied away from talking about sex. When Jenna Shea, a porn star and escort linked to Lil Wayne and James Harden, made news in 2013 by releasing text messages from a Louisville basketball star who proposed to his girlfriend, I interviewed Jenna Shea. I later brought on a Los Angeles stripper and friend connected to multiple NBA stars to discuss proper etiquette between athletes and groupies. She stripped naked halfway through the in-studio interview. Worse yet, I had a regular contributor to the show, Strip Club Rick, a Las Vegas pimp and dear friend who advised my audience on how to and where to get full-service lap dances just off the Las Vegas Strip. Why am I reminding you of all of this? Because none of what I just mentioned had any real negative impact on the way I was perceived in the sports media industry. None. ESPN rehired me to conceive and launch The Undefeated well after Pussy Galore and Real Talk. What has consistently caused me problems inside the sports media industry is my insistence on transparency, the perception that my worldview is aligned with political conservatives, and virtually any time I rail against liberal hypocrisy and call for moral accountability. This week, the sports and social media industrial complex has a big problem with me. 
I complained via Twitter about a sexually explicit advertisement that ran atop ESPN's webpage when I was perusing the NFL standings. It was a Timu ad hawking birthday cards. The text read, balls deep inside me is a great way to spend your birthday. My tweet caused the internet to melt. My critics rushed to ridicule me, claiming I didn't understand the targeted advertising is a reflection of my internet activity. The post has more than 24 million views, more than 5,000 replies, and nearly 5,000 retweets. The New York Post, the Daily Mail, Barstool Sports, and aggregators from as far away as Columbia have written pieces furthering the narrative that my raunchy internet browsing explains the raunchy advertisement. Not true. My critics know it's untrue. And that's not a contention that there's zero raunchiness to my browsing. In my line of work, raunch is unavoidable. If you wanna keep up to date with P. Diddy, Sexy Red, T.D. Jakes, Hunter Biden, George Santos, Donald Trump, Deshaun Watson, and some of my former friends, you gotta get in the mud. We live in a raunchy world. I spent many years reveling in it. But I've been trying to escape it since about 2014, when I finally figured out why I was so polarizing, controversial, and despised in the sports media industry. The revelation occurred to me during my second stint at ESPN. The relentless backlash I faced from the sports media establishment forced me to accept that the big, sexy persona I had adopted was a fraud. My grandmother, Lovey Kennedy, and a tiny church in Indianapolis planted Christian seeds in me that I could not elude. The roots of those seeds were evident in all the journalistic work that upset many of my peers and critics. The most impactful piece I ever published chastised the 2007 hyperbolic reaction to radio shock jock Don Imus calling Rutgers women's basketball players nappy-headed hoes. I pointed out the moral failure of the non-existent outrage over commercial rap music's denigration of black people and promotion of degeneracy. The best piece of journalism I ever produced exposed the fraudulence of and the true mastermind of the 2007 Genesis 6 racial injustice. Alan Bean, a white liberal minister, concocted the far-fetched narrative that six black boys nearly killed a white classmate because a noose was tied on a tree five months earlier. Bean spoon-fed the narrative to white liberal reporters. Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, and other black race hustlers cashed in on the racial grift served up by their white handlers. The Genesis 6 work is similar to the pieces I wrote pointing out the bogusness of the 2006 Duke lacrosse scandal. My work on Imus, the Genesis 6, and Duke lacrosse is some of the best newspaper sports writing ever published. The sports media industry hated all of it. The Kansas City Star deleted all of my work from its website, my entire 16-year existence. The newspaper's Wikipedia page mentions all of its major awards except the 2007 Scripps Howard's National Journalism Award for commentary that I won. Why is that? Because in 2010, I exited the newspaper by exposing the editor's affair with an unqualified subordinate he installed as our sports editor. He denied the affair. She resigned her position and the two married shortly after. 
My point is, for most of my adult life, I've had a wild, one-sided, good versus evil battle raging inside of me. The events at ESPN related to the undefeated humbled me and caused my surrender to Christ. I started taking steps to clean up my life. I began talking frequently about my Christian identity. Slowly, that public identity initiated change in my behavior. I fully prioritized freedom and truth above money and fame. I quit frank reading strip clubs. I untangled myself from unhealthy, unhealthy relationships. In 2020, I left Los Angeles to live in an environment more supportive of my Christian faith. I moved here to Tennessee. I'm not saying you can't be Christian in California. I'm saying it was a lot harder for me. It's too close to Las Vegas. The weather is so warm and the women are so beautiful that it feels like they're all half naked most of the time. I spent the last few years reflecting on and discussing my mistakes and how my behavior, behavior like mine, contributed to America's moral decay. Last week on Twitter, I weighed in on the conservative calendar controversy, the dust up about right wing female influencers posing for sexy pictures for conservative dads. The pics, by today's standards, are extremely tame. But I understand why evangelicals are bothered. There is no proper way to lust. Heterosexual lust is the slippery slope that has led to the LGBTQ plus sexual deviance drag and drag shows for kids. We, heterosexuals, centered and celebrated our sexuality everywhere. We made it our primary identity. You couldn't watch a movie, turn on your television, or listen to music without seeing or hearing heterosexual lust. Well, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. The alphabet mafia is mirroring heterosexual behavior. Gay pride parades don't look much different from the old school Carl's Jr. hamburger commercials featuring bikinied women. The mainstream had no problem when I would interview strip club Rick about the friendliest champagne rooms in Las Vegas. Should we be surprised the mainstream is okay with mentally ill men gyrating in front of children? My mental illness, our mental illness, legalized their mental illness. That's why the mainstream media never objected to my immorality. As I have recovered my mental health and focused on educating people about who really built the sexual slippery slope, heterosexuals, and the negative ramifications of it, mainstream and social media have turned up their animus towards me. How dare I complain about sexualized Timu ads on Disney sports website? Don't blame Disney and ESPN for getting into bed with the Chinese company looking for ways to further corrupt American culture. It's your fault, Whitlock. You visit naughty websites. No, my most frequent activities on the web are researching weight loss methods and punching into Google, what does the Bible say about X, Y, or Z? When I visit websites, I'm inundated with targeted ads about intermittent fasting, exercise routines, and fat-burning supplements. You know what I don't remember ever seeing? A targeted ad about the Bible or Christianity. In the past six months, I've seen two Timu ads on ESPN, 
the Balls Deep birthday card, and a woman modeling a t-shirt that says, I lick, suck, and swallow. I've complained both times. I'm going to continue to complain. We have so normalized explicit sexuality that school teachers think it's their job to discuss gender and sexuality with second and third graders. Some parents think it's a good idea to expose their kids to drag shows, and our government believes that gender confusion is a job qualification. I'm not a self-righteous prude. I struggle daily to course correct and stay in a safe zone. I cannot handle Instagram. More than a year ago, I turned over the app to the people on my team so I don't waste time looking at women in yoga pants and booty shorts. I signed up for Covenant Eyes, the app that blocks naughty websites. When I go to a sports website, I don't want to be distracted by sex. I don't want a woman telling me she licks, swallows, and sucks. I'm in recovery. I'm trying to avoid a relapse. American culture needs to enter a sexual rehabilitation program. It's obvious we need a return of our sexual modesty. Our overemphasis of sex has had enormous damaging consequences. When a man defines his masculinity and identity around sexual conquest, he undermines his ability to lead and forfeits his leverage in the relationship. Our lack of sexual discipline powers the matriarchy's defeat of the patriarchy. We're trading our freedom, influence, power, traditions, rights, and God-ordained dominion of the earth for sexual access to women who seek to rule over us. It's absolute insanity. White liberals have already lab-tested the matriarchy in America. They installed black women as rulers of black men and the black family. Look at what that rulership has wrought in our neighborhoods and in our children, particularly black boys. That's an uncomfortable truth that will further cement me on the enemies list of progressives. I'm good with the people who tolerated me when I endorsed sexual immorality, hating me for propagating biblical truth. The recent spate of attacks on me confirm my belief that I'm hitting the right targets. For the past two months, progressives keep updating my Wikipedia page with things intended to place me in a bad light. They recently added a paragraph about an episode of Fearless where I discussed President Barack Obama's legacy as it relates to the LGBTQ. The letter Obama wrote to his college girlfriend detailing his fantasies about sex with men sparked the episode. Wikipedia claims the show was about the conspiracy theory that Michelle Obama is transgender. The political left is concerned about losing its grip on black men and black voters. The Obamas, particularly Michelle, are the Hail Mary Democrats might throw to save the presidential election. Barack and Michelle are the glue to the LGBTQ Black Lives Matter coalition or what I call the Alphabet Mafia. Three, or two, two black lesbians and a third woman founded BLM. For his ability to advance the acceptance of the LGBTQ, Newsweek magazine hailed Barack Obama as the first gay president. 
I spent much of the last three years connecting the dots on how heterosexual promiscuity, feminism, the LGBTQ, and racial idolatry coalesce to radically change American cultural norms. The left knows I'm a lost cause. They recognize the Christian seeds taking root in me long before I did. They'll smear me for the same reason they smeared Alex Jones, Tucker Carlson, Glenn Beck, and anyone else in the media space who resists reprogramming. They want everyone to know the consequences of pursuing truth. That is my fire starter. I'm going to <laughs> take some time here to elaborate because I've said a mouthful. And, and I know that uh, what I just walk you through is going to upset uh, a lot of people. And, oh, Whitlock's lying. He's just deflecting. And he, he doesn't want to deal that we busted him. And, oh, my God, the only reason why he got that ad is because he watches porn. It, it, it's such a silly, nonsensical argument that they should be embarrassed. They should be embarrassed that they've spent this much time because, and, and, and again, I, I don't want to nail myself to some cross. I, I don't want to, um, this is not a pity party. It's a reflection of reality. But the, the, the media system, the, 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 the media establishment have been trying to destroy me since 2013. They gave Deadspin the assignment in 2013, 14, and 15. They took a little puppet, a kid named Greg Howard, little black dude with sexual identity, gender identity issues, racial identity issues. They, they took a little confused little black kid and put puppet strings on him and Tommy Craggs and Tim Marchman and I, I, what's his, Nolan somebody, Hamilton Nolan. They put puppet strings on this little black kid and had him writing all these pieces trying to assassinate my character. I, I, I'm, I'm, for lack of a better analogy, I'm like roaches. You, you cannot get rid of me. It, it just doesn't work. You're going to need a bigger can of raid than a group of clowns, a group of racist white people. They put little puppet strings on a little confused black kid and have him try to take me out. But the, all the rest of the media joined in and, and from 2013 to 2015 characterized me as the worst thing on the planet. Still here. I'm not going anywhere. You can't. And, and, and what you honestly did was take the scales off my eyes and, and open me up, open my mind up to like, what is going on here? And, and so that's what happened in, from 2013 to 2015 when the entire establishment and John Skipper, I don't want to leave him out thinks that I don't know that he was part of the setup. But that's what they tried to do. 
because no one liked me because there was, they could see in me like, oh, Whitlock's not going to go along with the program. And I'm not. I I couldn't, I couldn't see it, but that humbling experience, that, that taking me out, tying me to a tree, and I'm sorry for using that analogy, but that's what these racist leftists did. And, and we need to just deal with the facts. And, and, and I, I understand that the accusation of racism doesn't carry the weight that it used to because it's overused. And it's misused. Because the real racists are the leftists who get mad as hell when someone like me says, nah, I got my own thoughts. Nah, I'm going to stick to this biblical worldview. I'm not going to throw the Bible completely out. I'm not going to hop on board with anything you tell me to because it, it's pleasurable and that's what everybody's doing. I'm just not hopping on board with all of that. And so as soon as you're a black person that says, nah, I'm good. You know, I, I was, there's some things that I was raised in a church with and I, I just can't go along with that. Then you become public enemy number one. Then they get irate and then they set out to destroy you and to destroy your reputation. Can't be done. Not not when you actually know who you are. And so I want to thank you all for what you did to me in 2013, 2015, because you made me humble myself and made me realize who my savior and who my Lord actually is. Not money, not sexual conquest, not fame, not attention. It's Jesus Christ. And so I had to go through that in 2013, 14, and 15 because I was that out of line. I was in that much rebellion to God that I needed to be punished and humbled and embarrassed. And I want to thank you, wicked people, you group of primarily white liberal racists and your puppets, your black puppets that you control. Thank you for making me submit. I've been much better off and on a much better course and been making from everything to exercise, to eating better, to Walking away from all the debauchery and the the wasted money of debauchery, the gambling, the drinking, the the compromising on my values. (laughs) I sit here and think about the silly things that I did and was involved in, the high risk things. I I, I, I it, it took getting my brains beat in and getting my reputation smeared. For me to snap out of it, I sit and think about, and, and I'm just sharing this stuff just to keep it real, and, and because I know many of you out there can relate to the type of foolishness that I was involved in. But I, I'll, I'll never forget, and this is probably 2014, and I'm at the height of getting my brains beat in, and I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm dating this Jewish woman. And she was a handful. And quite honestly, I'm just going to keep her. 
She was a stripper at Spearman Rhino in Las Vegas. Actually came from a great family. I, I'm, I'm not going to go into too much detail because I don't want to embarrass them or whatever, but uh, she was smart, stripper from uh, <laughs> Spearman Rhino. I, we, we rented her an apartment in, in Las Vegas because I, I came to Vegas all the time, so got an apartment and we shared it. But I can remember uh, going to a, uh, a pool party at the, I think, the Encore Beach Club at Wynn Casino. And, and I used to love to go to, I used to go to Wet Republic a lot, but went to Encore Beach Club because she had a bunch of her friends coming in from Northern California. They were all in the tech industry. And these got young dudes that were super wealthy and a group of her female friends. And I can remember where, because I used to like to have a good time, to a point. But there were lines that I knew I couldn't cross. And I can remember we, we drink and celebrate the Encore Beach Club. Then we go up to uh, someone's hotel suite at the Wynn. <clears throat> and they walk in. Someone walks in with this party tray full of drugs, cocaine, whatever drug you wanted, it was all on this plate. And I looked at her, <laughs> looked at myself, and go, where the, and I, I cursed a lot at that time, what the F you bring me here and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hey, look, there's, because again, all I could think of was like, oh man, if something goes wrong and someone says Whitlock was there and there was coke and drugs and blah, blah, I'm done. And so I get up and say, I'm out of here. I walk my little drunken butt back to my hotel. Uh, and I can remember she came back to the hotel probably at 4 a.m., coked out of her mind, and, and had to go out on the balcony of our hotel room. And again, I, I don't, I've never used cocaine, but... I got a lesson from her, I guess, that if you drink alcohol, it brings you down from the cocaine high. Because she sat out on our balcony, jacked up on cocaine, drinking alcohol, trying to bring down whatever the cocaine high is. Maybe some of you got more experience than me, but that was her plan. I can remember sitting out on that balcony till 6 a.m. She's out there drinking, trying to come down from all this coke or whatever other drug she took. And it made me go like, man, I'm in over my head. Whatever I think the benefits of this are, they're not worth this kind of risk. And, and that was one of the first initial like, I was like, man, you better start backing up. You're way too far out in the ocean. And you're going to drown out here, Whitlock. And there'll be some story about, hey, this dude was a hellified uh, sports writer who, uh, you know, was involved in some foolishness and debauchery and someone, uh, you know, because I'm sitting there going, what if she overdosed? What if she freaking dies? And, and then I got to explain, you know, uh, hey, what are you doing here with a Spearman Rhino stripper? Who just overdosed on drugs. And so I, that, that I started backpedaling, started figuring out, I got to get right with God. I got to get my mind right. 
And and I I I I say all this when I because where I started with this point was why these people should be embarrassed. And I'm talking about my critics who are running around right now. <laughs> we got Whitlock. He had a Timu ad. He must look at porn. He's a hypocrite. Oh my God, Whitlock's a laughing stock. And I'm sitting here going, y'all been after me for a decade. And the best you got is that a Timu ad popped up on my ESPN page? That's all the dirt you got on me? That's embarrassing. I confess more dirt every single day on this show than what y'all got 10 years in. A Timu ad? Oh my God. Whitlock, he got a Timu ad. This stuff is commonplace. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. Again, I've complained about this twice, but my real question is, is like, why is China being allowed to populate a sports website with sexually explicit material? Because Timu, if you go look it up, it's like China's version. And again, Timu has some kind of headquarters, I believe, in Boston. And, and there's some kind of contention that it's an Ireland-run company out of China. This is a China-controlled operation where they sell us half-baked goods. It's, it's like a discount Chinese Amazon. And it spends money and buys up advertise, targeted advertising or just advertising, because I don't even, based on my research, Timu is so, uh, not cheap, but it's just like, they're not doing targeted advertising. They're just doing advertising. They're indiscriminate. And, and I'm not the only one. Most people have seen some sort of Timu ads, and most people have seen the I lick swallowings, any of this stuff. But, but the, the, the allegation or the allegation, man, Whitlock must be on a porn site. That's how he got that Timu ad. Y'all going to stop me with that? You think people are going to ignore these truths that I break down on a regular daily basis because a Timu ad popped up on my ESPN webpage and I complained about it? Seriously, you can call me and I will give you much better dirt or just watch this show. I'm sure at some point I'll talk about it. It's embarrassing. I, 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 I clown you people with a tweet, with a single tweet. It's like Katie Nolan jumps in and, you know, the former ESPN Fox Sports analyst. And she, oh, this is funny. And she's got a quote from a column I wrote as her banner on her Twitter page. It's a column I wrote a couple years ago when I explained to everybody about how little talent she's got and how much of a gimmick she was and how much money was wasted and how many executives made fools of themselves trying to make this bartender some kind of sports TV broadcaster. And I lit her on fire two years ago. 
She closed down her Twitter app for several days to recover. But now she wants to circle back and jump back in this mess. And so I lit her up again. with, With just the facts and the truth. She tried to Kamala Harris her way to the top of the sports media world, and it didn't work. And don't be mad at me. Take the little quote from me down. Blame yourself. If you really examine what I do on this show and in the columns I write constantly, I blame myself virtually every single time. Everything I see going wrong in this country, I think about my role in it. And I talk about my role in it. You racist leftists. All you do is talk about what they did, what someone else did. If that person would perfect himself or herself, the whole world would be better. The entire message of this show is if you would perfect yourself, the world would improve. That's my entire message to everybody. I'm trying to explain. These are the steps I'm taking to course correct and improve myself because I believe these steps will improve the world. Now, do I point out like, hey, Deion Sanders is promoting a fake, phony form of Christianity and he's violating every Christian principle with the things he's doing as a coach? Absolutely. Because people just don't want to tune in every day. I'm not as interesting as Deion Sanders. I'm not as interesting as LeBron James. I don't have their following. And so people don't want to just tune in every day and listen to me talk about myself. I could. I could come on here every day and say, you know what? This morning I did 38 minutes on the Stairmaster and this is what I ate and, you know, blah, blah, or, you know, and today I I thought about getting on Instagram. I I thought about, uh, you know, some girl or or, I, I could sit here and talk about all the stupid things that go through my mind and the things that I'm fighting, but it wouldn't be as interesting. But I, I lace all of my messages, whether I'm talking about Dion or LeBron or Katie Nolan or anybody, I talk about myself and how, yeah, I could do the exact same stupid thing. And I have. And, and I'm mostly... Because of the things I said at the end of my mono in terms of of the connection, the strategy of Obama, sexual promiscuity, feminism, the LGBTQ, and racial idolatry, that combination is the Molotov cocktail that is destroying American culture. They have heterosexuals so addicted to sexual promiscuity and centering our sexual identity and promiscuity. You you, you can't, virtually every movie that I try to watch, and you can go back years, to because mostly all I watch is movies that are 
10 years or older now because the new stuff is just too woke and I can't handle it. But any movie you watch, even from years ago, you, you can't get away from the heterosexual lust. You turn on a, a, a TV commercial, particularly during the 90s, 2000s, 2010s. You can't get away from the sexual lust. They were, Carl's Jr. and everybody else was selling hamburgers and everything else with naked women. Bud Light selling beer. There's pictures of me with the Bud Light girls at a party, partying with the Bud Light girls or the Miller Light girls. I can't remember, the Catfight girls or whatever. But everything was about heterosexual lust, TV commercial. You turn on music. Every rap song, every R&B song. Again, it's not about love. It's about lust. It's about promiscuity. And so... They did that intentionally. The more we heterosexuals centered, focused, promoted our sexual identity and our sexual immorality, they understood Newton's third law. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. If we can drive the heterosexuals and we can take someone like Jason Whitlock, who grew up in the church, and believes in God, if we can walk him out into the middle of this sexual sea, next thing he's going to look over in, the, in this sex ocean he's in, and he's going to look and like, well, damn, I'm out here with the LGBTQ. I, I'm, I'm out here with the, uh, the transgenders. I'm, you know, oh my God, I'm on Epstein Island. I'm out here with the pedophiles. And so if you, my point that they're trying to distract from, that they don't want you to talk about, is that we did this, heterosexuals. So we can turn our noses up and point our fingers at the LGBTQ and everybody else and the transgenders and all these people Biden is appointing to high positions and we can wag our finger at them and say, what are these drag kings and queens? What are they doing with our kids? And why are the teachers wanting to talk to our kids about sex? We did it. We put it in play. We are the slippery slope. And so they don't want you reflecting on that, that that was step one. Let's pervert these heterosexuals. Let's drag them out into this sea of sexual identity. And then they will have to shut their mouth when they look up and see, oh, I'm out here swimming with the LGBTQ, the pedophiles and the transgenders. Now you can't say anything. And so now that I'm making the effort, like, let me get a life preserver and let me swim my rear end back to the shore. This is crazy out here. They want you to think he's a nut. How dare he turn his back? on all of this sexual pleasure we promised him, all of this fame and fortune 
that guy is a nut. And don't you dare turn your back on all of this radical materialism, radical sexuality, all of this we're offering you. Don't you dare turn your back or we will do you like Whitlock. We will smear you. We will mock and ridicule you. We will use our social media matrix to make you a laughing stock. Because they don't want the scales coming off your eyes. They don't want you to see your role in creating this chaos. They don't, and particularly as it relates to black people, they don't want us to see how did we marry black people to the LGBTQ? How did we do that? Man, these people were hyper-religious in the 50s and 60s. These people were hyper-religious in the 1900s, in the 1800s. How did we get them to throw out every Christian value taught in the Bible? How did we get them on board? How did we recreate their identity? How did we turn their little black boys into overly emotional, completely emasculated young men? How did that happen? How did they do that? And this process started well before Obama. Well before. It started 60, 70 years ago. When they said, We're, and you've seen me talk about it on this show. But when they looked at the Patrick Daniel Moynihan report, the Moynihan report, that in 1965 that called for an investment in the black man to restore and rehabilitate the black family. And Lyndon Johnson and the mainstream media are particularly, let's just start with the mainstream media, labeled Moynihan's report racist. This man wrote a report for the president calling for investment in the black man and the black family. The media labeled it as racist and anti-black and caused Lyndon Johnson, and perhaps Lyndon Johnson was a racist, maybe he wanted to pivot, but caused him to pivot to, nope, we're going to go great society and we're going to invest in the black woman and the, the matriarchal culture and we're going to turn the entire black family into a matriarchy. And they've done that. And that's why little black boys and black men are completely emasculated, completely controlled by emotions. Get outside the home and, and turn hyper-violent masculine because they haven't been properly discipled by a man, by their father, in how to actually be a legitimate man. They don't want black people to open their eyes, have the scales come off their eyes and say, what has really gone on here? Let's evaluate how we got here. And who laid out this plan? Who made us lab rats for the matriarchy? 
And they're looking at right now. They're looking at like, man, black men, they're starting to wake up. And this whole manosphere thing and the Kevin Samuels and all this other stuff going on. And, and people like Jason Whitlock out here talking, connecting the dots, putting this history together, trying to educate black men and people the consequences of the matriarchy. And, and the consequences of the partnership with the LGBTQ and the consequences of racial idolatry. If you evaluate everything through skin color, you're going to miss the bigger picture. And, and, and they know that I'm sitting here on this show and sitting here on social media day after day after day pointing out like, Hey man, this matriarchy thing, there are consequences to it and we're paying those consequences. And now that it's starting to seep out into not just black, but the entire American culture is being emasculated, is being turned against male leadership and the patriarchy, is being turned against the Bible. We have to smear Jason Whitlock. We have to smear people like Jason Whitlock who are pointing this out. We want you to laugh at them. We want to give you an excuse not to take them seriously because they're trying to tell you the truth. And we need you on this plantation. And I don't care if you don't like that analogy. But I'm walking you through Go look at the entire body of work. You go all the way. When I, the Jenna 6 deal, people remember that. Jenna, Louisiana. And I mentioned it in my mono. A white liberal minister concocted that entire narrative. His name is Alan Bean. He then fed it. To a, first to a dude at the Chicago Tribune. I, I don't want to call out the wrong name, but you can research it. It's mentioned in my story if you can find it. But Alan Bean, he then spoon fed it to a dude at the Chicago Tribune and other white liberal reporters around the country. And so after Alan Bean concocted it and then he fed it to the right white liberals in the media, then the grifters, the race hustlers, Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and others took their marching orders from their handlers and hopped on it. And then they became the face of the Genesis 6 deal. This is how the system works. You, you, Jesse and Al run out. They take a check. Ben Crump takes a check. But there's a handler. Somewhere feeding them their talking points because black folks do not control the media. White liberals do. And just quite frankly, and I'm sorry for saying it, but it's fact. White Jewish people control the media. And that's where we get our marching orders. And those two groups. The handlers of the media. 
They don't like me. I'm a problem. Because I won't take the programming. And I'm going to spend however much time I have left on this earth explaining to you all the game that's being run. This started, this is a plan 60, 70 years in the making, and, and Barack and Michelle Obama are the icing on the cake. The glue that pulls the whole thing together. Come on, come on. We got the first gay president, Barack Obama, and he's going to make y'all love the LGBTQ, and he's going to make Pride Month include the transgenders and everybody else. And oh, he's the greatest. And now black people and the LGBTQ, you're in a marriage ceremony. Till death do you part. And, and then we're going to throw in that racial idolatry because you, you oh, Obama's black. I know he was raised by white people. I know he didn't know his black daddy. I know he grew up in Hawaii. But he's black. And that's all that matters. And so if he tells us to marry the LGBTQ, we're going to sign up and, yes, bend over and shove it wherever you want it. No holes barred because Obama said so. That's the curse and the plague and the consequences of racial idolatry. You can't see. You won't allow yourself to see what that man has asked you to stomach and take and embrace. And then they come in, then you got to partner up with the feminists. And this is as a black man, you got to partner with the feminists, people that do not like you and want to rule over you. You're going against your entire nature as a man. Submitting to a woman. And again, that's why they removed your daddy from your house. So they could train you in being obedient to a woman. And then some of you that are familiar with the Bible. Familiar with the marching orders that came in Genesis are familiar with like, well, hold on. This is out of whack. This is uncomfortable. I'm the man I'm supposed to. But you're trapped by your sexual lust and promiscuity. Your desperation to have access to her vagina causes you to compromise. And then it causes you to prioritize. Well, they've rigged up the whole system so that the black woman uh, is more educated, has more success in corporate America, and now you're in such a weakened position as a man. You're negotiating over sex and money in your own home, or because it's a negotiation over sex and money that you cannot win, you leave the home. You were set up 
60 years ago. And at some point, you got to man up and say, I, I can't go for this no longer. This is, this is crazy. And, and it is not easy. I, I don't want anybody crying for me because I'm unworthy of it. I haven't made any real sacrifices, but I have walked away from a lot so that I could stand on my own two feet and stand on what comes natural to me, the instincts that come natural to me as a man and the marching orders that are in that Bible. And so if, if, if I can't have uh, an 8,000 square foot house, I'll settle for 4,000. If I can't have three luxury cars, I'll settle for one. And, and there are decisions as men, and, and this, my entire 2024, and we'll get into this later in the week, we'll start talking about roll call, which will be June 1st, uh, get your travel schedule together, because this entire year of 2024 is about sacrifice. It's about what are we willing to sacrifice in order to get right with God, in order to reassert our position of leadership, in order to course correct this decaying culture. What are we willing to sacrifice? Anything? Because if we're not willing to sacrifice, we are going to continue to eat boo-boo. We're going to continue to be a laughingstock and an emasculated person and under the direction and control of women. It's happening all over society. It's not just, it's most acute with us as black people, because we were the lab rats. We were first, but it is happening to all of American culture. I'm, <laughs> white men are catching hell, compromising with this matriarchy, compromising out of fear. Oh, I don't want to be called racist, so I'm not going to say anything. And people can sit on, TV. I watched over the holidays Ryan Clark say some of the dumbest stuff I've ever heard about. Sean Payton called him a thug. Three white guys sitting around there nodding their heads, scared to say anything. Just completely emasculated. They know Ryan Clark is saying something ignorant and stupid and unsubstantiated and inflammatory intentionally, but they're so scared, they've been so emasculated, they're so controlled by, oh, I don't want to lose my position at ESPN and blah, 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 that they just sit there and nod along and pretend, come, look like punks. The, the same hell the black man is catching, the same hell the white man is catching. And, and, and if you cannot 
again, remove the scales from your eyes, remove the racial idolatry, and see that we're in a battle, good versus evil, patriarchy versus matriarchy. And it's my explanation of that is what has put this target on my back. It's, it's trying to get you all to understand what's really going on. Instead of taking the dumbed down, simplistic, uh, you know, white people are bad. It's so much deeper than that. And, and the attack on Christianity. They've got y'all interpreting that as well. That's just bringing down the white man's religion. And, and you don't understand that that Bible as a man. That Bible's on your side. Regardless of what color you are, that Bible is your best friend. It's your ultimate defender. It's it's your manufacturer's guide. It's 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 your instruction book for success, for happiness, for purpose. You've let a group of idiots and a group of manipulative people convince you that that Bible is your enemy. So I'm going to leave it here because I don't want to give you too much. But the the entire focus of this show this year. That, you know, last year, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about bearing witness requires courage, not perfection. And so my message was. Hey, don't let your imperfections, don't let your sin silence you. And, and that's what today is expounding on that theme as well, because <laughs> that's why I confess my sins and talk about because I'm not going to let them silence me with that. And so they know they can't. And so now they're trying other little gimmicks. But this year is about sacrifice and that growth requires sacrifice. That's our purpose in life that we've abandoned growth. And it requires sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice to get things right? If it's nothing, change the channel, don't come back, watch this show. Uh, Go jack off, go uh, surf the internet. Go do whatever your wife or woman or whoever you're sleeping with. Go do whatever they tell you to do. This this show's not for you. And again, I'm not anti-woman. I don't, you can call me sexist or whatever. I'm pro-Bible. And I'm pro-male leadership. And I'm pro, I went to Phoenix for AmeriFest and I told Everybody, and they, they, they took that out of context. I mean, there's a consistent attack of trying to smear me. Whitlock's against women voting. No, Whitlock at AmeriFest talked about why men need to
to quit apologizing for America's history. I, you all go to shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Love for you all to buy these T-shirts. Stop apologizing across the front. And on the back, it says America's history inspires gratitude, not shame. And, and we have to come to grips with that. They've, they've reshaped, they've made us ashamed of our history. And, oh, my God, you guys were so sexist in the past. And, you know, uh, and, oh, my God, America was so racist. It had slavery. No, America and Christianity conquered slavery. And these technological advances that men did allowed women more freedom than they've ever experienced at any point in the history of the planet. Here in America, women have it no better than here in America because of the technological advances of men. Quit apologizing. They, they want you to think, oh, so sexist in the 16 and 1700s. No, it was reality. They didn't have DoorDash. They didn't have all these drugs that doctors souped you up with when you, when it get, when you gave birth. Giving birth was actually an experience, and an incredible, painful, challenging experience. Now, you can have a baby that can soup you up on drugs and you're back to work in what, a month? That wasn't the case in the 1670s, 1800s. No, no one was thinking, you know, monitoring that baby and making sure that that baby survived full-time job, important job, far more important than sitting inside a cubicle making IBM or Amazon an extra million dollars. <sighs> anyway, uh, that's today's show. I, I hope <clears throat> you all enjoyed it. Uh, I'll have more to say uh, tomorrow. We'll play some tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in line like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. Negotiation, my sister, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving all the seeds When we all wanna be free We want freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want